Well, Aboriginal Australians made the f- world's first seafaring journey and they were also the world's first bakers and they survived an ice age around 20,000 years ago. So this country has seen 60,000 years of Aboriginal history. Then we have the past 200 years of shared history. So those 200 years mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And usually when it comes time to talk about that shared history, things kind of get a little bit tense and there's a lot to cringe about. But I have in the studio with me Warren Roberts, who is the CEO of Yarn, and he himself is a Thungari and Bonjalong man, and he now creates safe spaces for Indigenous and non-Indigenous people to meet and share our ideas and our stories and our history. Welcome and out of the box, Warren. Thank you. So you've brought in all Australian music today. I'm pretty stoked about it. What kind of stuff can we look forward to in the next hour? Um, I suppose uh, local uh, music that I grew up as a kid, and a lot of it's around the 80s and, and the 90s, um, and then um, a, a recent hit today. So it's it's around things that many ways empower me as an Aboriginal um, person, but also gives out that broader perspective regarding Aboriginal um, and Torres Strait Islander culture. So I think recently for Yarn, as um, as Yarn is an event that people can basically come together and, and, and talk, you held a Yarn event recently at the Captain Cook Hotel of all places, which I found kind of like a little bit amusing. So why did you want to hold it there? I think it's about us as Australians, as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, um, allowing us to have events um, in all spaces um, and not be um, uh, afraid to have an event in um, in, a, in a space called Captain Cook. And I think it's about us, um, in many ways, um, acknowledging our past and being in a space like that, providing um, an opportunity where Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people can sit down and have a an, um, conversation that is respectful, um, which why YARN um, is set up, is to provide that opportunity where we can be, where we can have a conversation in a respectful uh, way. And it's about creating a safe space and creating an opportunity where we can talk about that history and why not start having those conversations in a place called Captain Cook. All right, sounds like a good idea to me. And I reckon we'll put on our first song for the hour. It's called Black Boy, and I'll ask you in a little bit about why you wanted to pick this song. Actually, I'll ask you now. Why do you want to pick this song? <laughs> I actually... Um, as a little uh, boy growing up, my mum used to sing this song to me. And I only knew it as a song that my mum would sing to me. And then I found out it was actually a song. So I was like, oh, actually, this is pretty cool. Um, and ever since then, I just, I loved it, you know. And it's about that pride as a, as a um, young Aboriginal boy and knowing who you are as an Aboriginal. And what does that mean? And that song, in many ways, it kind of gave me um, a sense of pride of my culture and my heritage. Lovely. You listen to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5. My guest today is Warren Roberts. Shine black boy, you came to the city to learn 
You are tuned in to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5. My guest in the studio with me today is Warren Roberts. He's the CEO of Yarn Australia. And Yarn is creating safe spaces so that Indigenous and non-Indigenous people can come together and chat and tell stories and, and learn more together in a, a totally non-judgmental space. And that song was Black Boy by Coloured Stone. You said your mum used to sing that to you as a kid. Yeah. And I, yeah, it does go back to that... Um, pride sense as, a, as an Aboriginal boy growing up and um, and knowing that, you know, I think as a as a young boy that your mum was proud, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. proud of um, her, our, my heritage and stuff like that. Yeah, and you grew up for a while in Perth, right? Whereabouts in Perth or near Perth? So not, not in Perth. Um, actually, a little community um, north-east of Perth called Carolundi. It's about 900 k's out in the middle of the desert so uh, yeah a little small community um and it's a different um world you know um compared to urban and all regional area you know what's life like in carolundi then well um i think it's pretty pretty fun because it's a different environment and you meet different people and because we were there as um because i was off country as a aboriginal person who traditionally not from there in many ways it was about me um and my mum and our family about um you know being in company on other people's country and hearing those stories and hearing about how they're connected to that to that place so it's really um i suppose special yeah. Does it kind of feel like, in that circumstance, do you feel like you're a guest on their country? Is that kind of how you're, you're thought of? Yeah. So it is a bit like that. And I think it, when you are, and I think that is a, a, a two-way, it's about responsibility of how I treat that place. And it's about the respect that I have for um, the uh, local um, people in that area you know so it is a really um a big responsibility to be invited into a into a community um like like carolundi nice and so why were you invited there in the first place then i went there with my mum um my actual um uh my nan's brother was a, a minister um he was a pastor uh, in a church and he was um, doing a lot of ministry around um, Western Australia and Waluna and a lot of the communities over there. So I was there um, with my mum and my mum's other um, auntie. She's a um, she was a cook and she was helping out in the kitchen. So, um, but I was just a little kid, you know. So I was just running around having fun, not, not churching too much. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, just enjoying, you know, as a young kid running around, you know, and in that community at that time they had a um, the, a pool, but the pool wasn't really a man. It was a man-made, so it was a a big hole in the ground with a tarp, and then the, the water filled in the tarp. So that's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> so um, things like that, like it's just. You know, you just kind of work with what you got in many ways. And kind of my nana would say to me that, you know, life is what you make it, you know, and you're going to kind of have to go out there and make your own fun, you know. All right. And you actually did. I I kind of thought a little bit during that Coloured Stone song we just played, Black Boy, like the lyrics of that is like the the colour of your skin is your pride and joy. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you. You'll be the one who's having fun, so you just keep learning on. So can we talk a little bit about your school that you went to when you went away to boarding school? Yeah, so I went um, to a boarding school in Armidale, um, and it was a bit of a transition from a 
public school over to a private um, boarding school and being one of the only um, Aboriginal students um, there. How did you end up there then? My grandparents um, had um, a vision about education and why education is important. Um, and she got together with some family members um, and talked about how, um, why um, education for her grandchildren was important. So they had conversations with the com with aunties and, and community about sending me to that boarding school. And I think that when you're a young Aboriginal boy and your Aboriginal granny, grandmother, is like, okay, this is how we're going to do things. And, you know, she was the matriarch. And so um, you kind of look up to that and thought, okay, well, there must be some sort of reason for this. Um, and in many ways, um, a bit of responsibility as well. Yeah, so in that case, did the community have to kind of rally together to get you to that school? Yeah, so at first it was about our um, elders getting together and saving up some money. And one of the, there was an Aboriginal, there was a non-Aboriginal uh, man in that town um, who used to do a lot of um, tutor, tutoring, tutoring um, the local Aboriginal um, students in the school, in, in the school there. And he, he was a friend of uh, my grandparents, and he told me this story that um, um, one day one of one of our nanas gave him some money and said, "Take that over to that school. We want to send this young boy to this to that big private boarding school." And he went into that boarding school and he walked in and he sat down at the at the accountant, and he put the money on the table and said, "This is for the um, this young Aboriginal boy to come to this school." And the accountant counted the money, but as she was counting that money, she she had tears in her eye. And when I heard that story, when that old fella told me that story, because he ended up becoming my tutor while I was there the whole time, um, a lot of my old people wouldn't, they never really went to that place. Um, and so that old tutor would um, come in, in their place as, you know, parent teacher and things like that. Um, and so in many ways, he became sort of that uh, guardian for me while I was there. And also um, that accountant, you know, kind of looked after me while I was there as well. But I always wondered why they was very, um, I don't know, happy and very um, supportive of me in that space. Um, and I'm and learning about that story after, after it um, kind of made me think that, you know, it's more than the money. It was about the hope and the dream and maybe one day, mm. um, you know, this young Aboriginal boy would get a, a good education. It kind of sounds like you were the chosen one. They were just like, this guy, we got a lot of hope for him. He, he can do great things. Let's do what we can to get him into this to this fancy school. Yeah, and I think it is um, also my um, the drive of my grandmother saying that, you know, I want my children to have a good education and my uh, grandchildren to have that because um, in many ways they didn't have it because in their time policies, you know, um, you know, uh, affected them in not getting an education. Mm -hmm. So it was really um, about saying, hey, maybe I didn't have a good education because of um, policy at the at time growing up, but I'm not going to allow this to be uh, to affect um, my grandchildren. Yeah, don't want it to be an intergenerational thing. We didn't get, we missed out, so they miss out, and and then it goes on. So you were the 
You stopped it all. It's awesome. Uh, so I reckon we should play our next song, and I was thinking it might be Yil Lal. What do you reckon? Yeah, sounds good. And why did you want to bring this particular song on? I think it um, talks about the pride of our um, Aboriginal flag, and it talks about um, how and what role that plays in our in our community. And it is come back to that pride thing. And I think every song that you're going to listen today comes back to um, myself and the community that I come from, and the people, and my nana being proud of who we are as Aboriginal people and one of those strong symbols is the Aboriginal flag.
out of the box. Meet people through their music on FBI. tuned in to Sydney's finest FBI radio out of the boxes of the show on the air right now my name's Ash Berdebez and Warren Roberts is my guest in the uh, in the hot seat today so to say and um I really enjoyed that song I must say where was it made um that song was actually made um in 
in, a, in prison. Um, and it was made by a number of Aboriginal uh, people um, in the system. And I think what I get from that song is about, again, um, coming back to the pride, but also acknowledging the ancient culture that we have and how long it's been around. And I think, you know, you say to, you look at our history and you think 200 years is a long time and then you put a couple of thousand behind it, you know, thousands of years. How do I um, comprehend what that what that is? Mm. And if you look at this song, it's about, um, uh, in many ways, holding onto and being proud of this old culture. Yeah. Actually, you yourself, you're a Thangari man, and I was looking up uh, where where that area is that that your people come from, and so it's kind of it's kind of near Maclay and all that, right? Yes, yeah, on the Maclay River. Yeah, and so when we're talking about thousands of years, we're talking about you know there are middens there that date back three thousand years. Why not earlier? Oh, because the ocean was at a different level, like the actual structure of the land where the, the ocean levels have come up to have changed by hundreds of meters in the time that you've actually had people there on that land, which is insane. Yeah. To think. Yeah. Yeah. We we don't really uh we don't really have that kind of perspective, but yeah, it's kind of interesting because lately I think that we've been we've been coming more to terms with some of the history, especially now that a lot of our dating technologies are getting better. We're looking at things that come from sixty thousand years ago and just being like, wow, this is this is nuts. Like this is amazing. And looking at Aboriginal agriculture and being like, wow, the world's first bakers and like the most organised systems that existed and and totally peacefully, no no conquering for resources or anything. We're very organised people. And I think what is a unique um, opportunity that we as Australians have it's it's on our doorstep. Mm. Um, we have the oldest culture um, in the world, and um, we are united by the fact that we stand on the same ground, ancient ground, sacred ground, um, and I think. You know, we can talk about our differences, but I think there are a lot of things that um, unite us as Australians, and that's the land that we stand on. And then looking even further um, about um, how has Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people lived in this land? What does that look like? Um, respect, spirituality, um, engaging in, in their society. And I think it goes back to us as Australians saying, hey, you know what, um, you know what, I don't know a lot of things about Aboriginal and Torres Strait people, but there's one thing I do know is that is this is Aboriginal um, land. Yeah. Um, and you can't, um, in many ways, uh, you know, dispute that. And I think, but that is an opportunity and that is the, um, the in many ways, the calling for us as Australians to say, well, what is what does that actually mean? Um, and how do I connect to that? And what does that respect look like? Yeah. And even beyond what you were saying with all the spirituality and, and all the, the, the spiritual connection with land, there's also, must say, much smarter way of dealing with the land than we do now. You know, even looking at just the, the kind of food that we were trying to grow here and the ways that we would do, like, that you would do that before white settlement. We've got rice now that's, like, more than three times more needy for water and we're draining the Murray-Darling and it's, you know, just turned into to silt, you know, whereas you actually have rice here native to Australia from way earlier that doesn't require that kind of stuff and you can actually grow it very well. And deliciously, exactly. <laughs> I might add. And when I go out in the community and I'm engaging with um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, you know, you walk around in Sydney, they're 
bush tucker and um, native foods just in our parks and in, in our communities. And we walk past that place every day. You know, and I, and I think that, th again, that is another an opportunity that, that um, screams out to us to think, well, you know, what, what is that and how can we live more sustainably? Um, and these things are growing naturally in our, in our backyard. Awesome. So you are the CEO of Yarn, and I was thinking we might pack, put on one more song and then uh, come back in a second to talk a little bit more about Yarn and what what you guys do and, and what's happened in past Yarns. So first, I want to put on this song, Black Man's Stories, that you brought in. Now, it's by Roger Knox, and why did you want to bring this one on? Uh, this is a song, I, uh, growing up, listening to my mum playing CDs and, and stuff, I wanted to... I was he hearing what she was listening to and I actually liked it. So I said, can I have the CD? And on that CD was this song. Um, and I automatically connected to it. Um, and it is about telling that ancient story um, and being knowing that I and my family and, and my community is connected to that old story. And I, and I like, that's what I like about this song. Black men tell me all his stories Show me all his tribal ways See the paintings of his fathers Pictures of their dreamtime days Hear the dingo howling mournful Or the dusty plain so white The moon has turned the red to silver as the white ghost gum tree Black man tell me all his stories Show me all his tribal ways See the paintings of his fathers Pictures of their dreamtime day Hear the colors call of sadness 
That was a cracker of song. I loved it. Um, Black Man's Stories by Roger Knox. A bit of country on your radio. And it is brought in by my guest today, Warren Roberts, who is the CEO of Yarn. And Yarn is a place where Indigenous and non-Indigenous people can go to talk and share stories and to share visions for, I guess, a, a future where everyone kind of has a really, a really you know, included place, I guess. And what, what have been some sort of uh, responses that you've had from your uh, previous Yarn events? The responses that we've had is um, one that people want to engage. They want to have these conversations. There are these conversations that are happening on our social media and there are these conversations that our leaders are talking about. And then there's a group of us in between who's like, look, I don't want to get involved in Facebook, but I don't want to talk about public policy. I want to sit down and learn what is... um, what is the what is Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture, and how can I connect connect with that? Um, and we have people who come into our space from all walks of life and all different experiences, um, who may have connections with Aboriginal communities, who may not have connections with Aboriginal communities. Um, and I think our unique message is: it's not about what we can do as a collective, but rather what what I can do as an individual. You know, you may be an artist. Connect through that way. You might be a musician. Connect through that way. Um, if we can't take our own individual passion and our own visual drive to connect with um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, then it does become this thing that is so removed from who we are. And I think creating an opportunity where we can create these safe environments where like-minded people will have that need and that want to build that relationship and identify um, how they can go about engaging in their communities through their passion is is the key message of what Yarn's about. And yeah, we do explore our history because they are those examples in our history that are posed with the same question. You know, Paul, que- Paul Keating had that same question. I'm a non-Aboriginal person. Yes, maybe I'm the, pro- I'm the Prime Minister at the time, but I'm still having that um, po- posing those questions about what is this Indigenous and non-Indigenous relationship? What is my understanding of that? And looking back in history is important because there are key examples for us to look back on and say it's not just only me posing or pondering these questions. It's interesting that it kind of kind of seems like it's it's from a very positive space that everyone can come together and, and explore those relationships and that history in a kind of positive way, even though, like, as we all know, probably because especially we were raised this way, there's a lot of squeamishness in our history and there's a lot of sheepishness and there's a lot of guilt. And so people often walk into the room feeling like they're going to be judged. And it seems like Yarn kind of gets in the way of that and, and says, instead of you walking in here with like terrible feelings and, and, and coming from a negative place, let's have a conversation that we can turn into a positive thing. Yeah, and I think starting with, hi, how you going? I'm from, Mm. I'm passionate about, um, what are you passionate about? And, And that's where it starts. And I think that's the relationship. And I think sometimes we think in our mind that, oh, you know, it's, it's more complicated than what we actually think it is. And actually sitting down and having that first introduction, how you going? And have, and just saying who you are, where you're from is, is the breaking of that ice Mm. to actually build that relationship. 
-hmm. And it does then break down those pondering questions and those things that we might have in our head thinking maybe this is more complex than what it is. Yeah. And instead of having to start from the point of being like history, politics, all of these meanings imbued, things that you can't see with your own eyes that are going on in the background, you know, you actually can have a normal human, like just a connection, just a, just a yarn. And with yarn, obviously it's in the name, what kind of yarns have been taking place at yarn in the past? Can you think of any examples of, of interesting conversations that were had? Yeah. Um, probably throwing in the deep end there. <laughs> I think probably the, the key one that a lot of... The key one that we actually talk about and the first time that we have a conversation is um, what is my story? Who am I? Where do I come from? How do I connect to uh, my identity? What does that mean? Is it something that my um, that I, where I grew up? Is it something that my grandparents tell me about? Um, is it the conversations that I have with my mum? And I think it's these core messages that, are, that we do on our daily life and it, and, it, and it's that yarn that we start with in one of our first conversations because um, we can listen to all those stories from the past and we can also think about what the future might look like but a lot of our story is already written and history if we was to connect people to history is through our own story and a lot of that story is already written and it's about going back and having that conversation with mum and saying why did we grow up there and um, why why was this happening at that time and how, how we're involved in that? Um, and I think when you look at it from that perspective, you start to understand who am I and why do I do what I do? And then why do I have similar values and ideals to other people? Um, and it's that through that simple message of connecting through identity and through our own um, consciousness, we can actually reach to people. As we were talking a bit about uh, connecting, I guess one of the most uh, connected bands in our history, uh, Midnight Oil, Beds Are Burning is our next track. And I wanted to ask you, why did you want to bring this particular song on? I actually um, like this song because um, the, the film clip was filmed down at um, Redfern. Um, and I grew up there as a kid um, with my grandparents and my mum and, and that. And... It's just, again, coming back to that pride as um, a young Aboriginal um, boy who, yeah, grew up on the block and um, but also has a vision for the future and, and thinking about, you know, um, how do we get on with this? Um, you know, are we just going to call it for, for the tension for what it is or are we actually going to get on with it and build the relationships? Um, and I think that's exactly what, um, you know, the, the, the artists in this band were doing. Mm -hmm. going into the unknown and seeing what happens. Yeah. And what was it like when you were growing up on the block? Um, what I, I think what I liked about it is it was a strong community, like a strong-knit community. And from we're from all walks of um, life, but all different communities around Australia. And I think that uniting of Aboriginal and Torres Strait people in that one place um, was in many ways a bit of responsibility for each other and the environment that we want to create and um, the services that that was was created because of that you know housing employment um, education and health all these things were very important to um, 
us as Aboriginal and Torres Strait people, but for us to understand those things was about us having a relationship with one another, even though we were from all different Aboriginal and Torres Strait communities around Australia, identifying what is our commonality and working together to find the solutions to those issues. And it's interesting because um, I only figured this out recently, but a part of the reason that as, you know the block is so many people from all over Australia is that 40 years ago when it started up, it was people trying to find family that they'd lost touch with, and p- particularly, you know, people who might have been, like, flow on from the stolen generations as well. So people actually rocking up there and being like, maybe, maybe I will find my my people there. So, yeah. And, and a lot of the um, events that they were, they were holding at that time was community dances and community halls and things like that, and that's where a lot of them actually met one another, um, you know. And, you know husbands and wives and all the rest of it, you know. and But that was the joy of that connection. So you kind of look back and think, well, how did they connect and how do they go about it? Um, and having a, a band playing in a local community hall and all of us having a dance, but being united from this one community, even though we have um, various mixes of, of um, uh, identities and community groups. And I think that, that what I like about Redfin and the story of Redfin is that even though we're so diverse, we can still get on with it and we can still unite as a community um, for the benefit of of our next generation. It's Warren Roberts, the CEO of Yarn on your radio today. And here we go. It's Beds Are Burning by Midnight Oil on Out of the Box, FBI 94.5. Pay the rent 
This story's right, this story's true I would not tell lies to you Like the promises they did not keep And how they fenced us in like sheep Said to us, come take our hand Set us up on mission land Told us to read, to write and pray Then they took the children away, took the children away, the children away. Snatched from their mother's breast, said this is for the best, took them away. Welcome and the policeman said you've got to understand. We'll give to them what you can't give. Teach them how to really live. Teach them how to live, they said. Humiliated them instead. Taught them that and taught them this. And others taught them prejudice. Took the children away. The children away Breaking our mother's heart Carrying us all apart Took them away One dark day on Framlingham Came and didn't give a damn My mother cried Go get their dad He came running Mother's tears were falling down Dad shaped up and stood his ground He said, you touch my kids and you fight me Then they took the strong of them 
a little teary to that song you're cold and dead inside it is Archie Roach with Took the Children Away bought on Out of the Box today by my guest Warren Roberts the CEO of Yarn and Took the Children Away we can kind of guess what that's about your grandmother was part of the stolen generation did she share with you a few stories yeah um I think the the fondest memory that I can think of with my grandmother is the um the conversations that she had with her parents um, about white men um, coming to her community um, and then the whole policy around um, the stolen generation. So from the get-go, our my, um, my nana's parents, you know, um, it was sort of like this policy was sort of like out of their control. Um, but they were... I suppose very. Um, they were very. I suppose 
underst- not understandable, but they were they were taking in the the reality of their um, their community, their the reality of that particular policy at the time. And I think the the one thing that our great grandparents put into my grandmother is the sense of no hate. Really. Um, be proud of who you are. Know where you come from. Grandmother always talked about her grand, her father um, dancing and kicking up the dirt and being proud of his Aboriginal man to um, sing those songs from his people from a long time ago. And she always talked about that pride, but also her mother putting in her that um, not to hate. I find that interesting because I don't think I can think of many things more despicable than taking children away from parents, especially in those years of their life where they're, you know, they're, they're, they're kids, you know, that you lose out on so much. And that's what's so sad about that Archie Roach song when the refrain changes from they took them, they took them away and then the children came back and you just kind of think, you know, like how many years later, how much have they missed out on, you know, what's that like actually having someone come back into a family and a whole community, you know, after having missed out on so much. Yeah, so my nana got taken away at um, 12 and she got put uh, not in in an institution, she actually got put in a um, looking after a white family as a domestic help in Vaucluse, looking after a um, uh, a doctor in his family, um, starching all the clothes and washing all the sheets and scrubbing all the floors and um, even though doing all these things and looking after their three children, um, still being fed on the back porch, um, still um, having to wait in line when going shopping, still not being paid, still all these inequalities. But the old spirit that my um, grandmother's mother and father put into her was not to hate. Be proud of who you are. Know where you come from. And a lot of that is now passed on to me and and those stories. Um, And, you know, my nana, she kind of, she was a very proud and strong um, woman. Know where she come from. And she'd always say to her, uh, she'd always say to people, you know, I'm a proud Dungari woman. Know where she's from. And paying that respect back to that. There was a, a time after your your grandmother had been living with the family at Vaucluse, taking care of their needs, and then they were they're on the way back up the coast, and we're going to go by the area, the the Dungari area, um, to what station was it? In Kempsey. Yeah. Was she supposed to meet someone at that station? What happened there? Um, she was actually planned a a visit to visit her mum, um, and her mum came to the station. Um, and as um, the train was um, coming in towards Kempsey, um, the actual train didn't stop. And uh, all my grandmother could see was her mother waving a hanky as the train passed by. Um, and this, these stories that um, you know, you I that I got told growing up, kind of um, really had a had a, a strong point into me that you know even though you went through so much and even though you had such experiences you are still standing strong and you're still standing proud of 
of where you come from and who you are as an Aboriginal woman. And I think that is what is instilled in me um, to continue this walk. Don't hate. Don't um, point fingers. Be proud of who you are and keep moving forward. And communicate. And I guess that's what you do as a CEO and the founder of Yarn. And could I ask, when did you make up the idea for Yarn? Where did that come from originally? Because I don't think we've talked about that yet. The actual idea came from when I went to this boarding school. You know, I was an Aboriginal. All I was seen to be was an Aboriginal boy. So I, nobody would ask me, what is my language? What is my culture? Where am I from? Who am I? The sentiments that some people had in their mind was, you know, comments, um, stereotypes and things like this. And growing up and um, looking back on it has um, given me that understanding that, you know what, not everybody has an opportunity to build a relationship with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Where are these spaces? Do these spaces exist? And if we don't create these spaces then we're accepting the way that our society is. And so going to university, hearing university students say positive um, things about working and um, learning more about Aboriginal and communities, but I'm like, is this more than just talk? It's just platitudes, yeah, and sometimes it can feel like that. You just all talk. But I think Yarn is the first place that I've heard of where it's that kind of a, a forum for people to get together and talk in a, in a kind of non-judgmental way. Now, we're almost at the end of the hour, and we have one more song that we can play. But first, I wanted to ask you, if people want to get involved with Yarn or if they want to go to an event and they, they want to attend any of the events happening around Sydney, what's the best way for them to find out about that? Um, you can get involved with our um, social media platform called 60,000 on Facebook, or you can check out our website at yarnaustralia.com.au. Cool. And I'll be liking you guys on Facebook and following to see what events are happening soon. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Warren. So we've got one last song. It's Treaty. <laughs> yep. And why do you want to pick this one? I think I picked this song again because it's about the, um, the, un the untold story, the story that how do we have this relationship and can we do that? Treaty in our community has been something that you know a lot of our Aboriginal and, and Torres Strait Islander community want and our people want um, and been longing for that treaty for a long time and still continuing today. And I think it's a question that you know we um, are pondering and, and the questions that we're and the conversations that we're having is about are we going to get to that point where we can have a formal document that says we have an agreement or we have a treaty with our First Peoples. And that song being playing on the radio um, since 1988 is a reminder about unfinished business, about how far we need to go to get to where we want to be. Thanks so much, Warren.